0: This is Husker Sports Network Originals, presented by J-Tech Construction, the official exterior experts of Husker Nation. Husker Sports Network Originals tell iconic stories from Husker history, featuring insights from the players and coaches who live them. Subscribe to the Husker Sports Network on your favorite podcast service. And now, the Cornhuskers and COVID, how Bill Moose navigated Nebraska through the pandemic.
1: Thanks for joining us on our latest Husker Sports Network Originals podcast. I'm Greg Sharp. 2020 was a challenging year. A pandemic brought on by the outbreak of COVID-19 disrupted people's way of life around the globe, bringing schools, businesses, and major industries, including sports, to a standstill. For months, there was no way to be certain when we would see live sports again. Nearly every league, both at the collegiate and professional level, had to figure out a path forward. Recently, I had a chance to catch up with Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose, who was able to give us the -the behind-the-scenes story of how the Huskers and the Big Ten were able to pull off a college football season in one of the most tumultuous years in modern history. I want to go back to March 11th. Last year, it was day one of the Big Ten basketball tournament in Indianapolis. I don't know if you were there. The Huskers did play that night. In fact, they were the last game of the tournament before it got shut down. Do you remember that day? Does anything stand out about March
2: 11th to you? <laughs> well, I remember it all very vividly. Uh, Greg, It was um, uh, it, we were in a, a Big Ten ADs meeting. Um, there in Indianapolis we we had a variety of things we were uh, on our agenda and uh, it was the first day of the big Ten men's basketball tournament and huskers were uh, set to play and uh, to tell you how how quickly this moved uh, the the meeting started and within uh, 15 minutes we were talking about the uh, prospects of uh, canceling the tournament and possibly canceling the NC2A tournament. And uh, it picked up up steam and uh, I think w- within an hour, we had canceled the Big Ten tournament. Now we went ahead and played that night, if you recall. And um, uh, Coach Hoyberg uh, was had to leave the game. Uh, there was great drama and all of that. and that was uh, on Wednesday, the 11th, and uh, then uh, my life and many other lives changed uh, for the uh, uh, future and still uh, to a degree today. Not sure what this is uh, about, but Coach Hoiberg uh,
0: left the arena along with Nebraska Sports Information Director Seamus McKnight. He's not been feeling good today. Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. Here's what we know. I'm Scott Van Pelt here at ESPN. This, this astounding and unprecedented story continues to evolve.
1: Well, guys, I have some somewhat shocking news
0: that I am being told right now, and that is that the Rutgers and Michigan players have been told to leave the court. And that the tournament, as of right now, and again, this is literally something I heard within the last 30 seconds, is being canceled.
1: We, uh, we are yeah, we're in a different world today than we were with all the cancellations and really the sports world shut down for, we don't know how long. We know the collegiate season is over. This is it. The NCAA has, has wiped off all the championships for the spring sports. They have canceled March Madness. And so as far as the NCA is concerned with their release from a couple of hours ago, college sports is done until August. Husker football had just was in the midst of just getting that first week of spring practice started. And then you were going to break for spring break in about a week. And I'm sure your, your head was spinning initially to talk about, you know, the basketball end of that season and the spring sports that had to get shut down. But as an athletic director at a school like Nebraska football's always got to be toward the front of your mind. Do you recall some early conversations with coach Frost about spring practice and, and having to stop those things? What, what do you recall about some of those conversations maybe from back in March?
2: Well, you're right. We, uh, we, we were looking at basketball, which had come to a a quick halt. Uh, The spring sports had, been off and running, and they were soon to be discontinued. Um, And of course, the post-seasons of all of those. Uh, But we had gotten, I think, two or three football practices in for spring ball, and uh, we had to halt that as well. Now, all these things are very concerning, but uh, when you're in an athletic director's chair, and you see the threat of uh the possibility of a huge revenue stream being shut off uh uh the attention quickly uh turned to that because uh without it all things are uh going to be affected so uh yes uh scott and i had conversations uh uh, garrett classy on my staff that is uh, uh, the sport administrator for football was in constant communication with Scott's people down there, and uh, uh, we we had to um, figure out where we were going from there. And I might add that uh, that's uh, when our daily meetings started uh, with the Big Ten, and and uh, I can get into that and would be happy to uh, in regards to. Uh, the dilemmas that we were facing and the day to day changes and such, uh, beginning then in the middle of March, uh, with focus on uh, the beginning of the fall football season in September.
1: So the daily meetings Uh, began in March to talk about football, right?
2: They did, and uh, they were uh, two hours every morning, seven o'clock central. Monday through Friday, and sometimes on Saturday and, and Sunday. And uh, there were so many things that uh, we had to get our arms around uh, with this pandemic, uh, which eventually uh, evolved into uh, the, the testing piece, um, whether we were going to play or not, uh, what the rest of the country was doing, uh, what, what the world was doing, and uh, what path we were going to take and if we were even going to have a, a season in 2020.
1: What about, I, I know that the team scattered for spring break. The campus was shutting down. They were going to finish the semester virtually, uh, the decision made by the Chancellor to do that. When did some of the players start to come back, and how, how protective of the players Were you in April and May to get, and I've heard crazy stories that Adrian Martinez got off the plane and they put him in a car that had been bubbleized so that they could immediately get him protected. How much of that was going on in April
2: and May? Well, uh, we felt all along that the safest place for our student athletes uh, during all of this was in Lincoln. And the safest place in Lincoln was in our facilities. So we wanted to make sure that we had our young people in the uh, high-risk areas of Los Angeles, uh, uh, Dallas, Houston, uh, into Florida, Orlando, and around there, and uh, New Jersey, uh, Chicago, and, and, and like that get them back here and in a safer environment. And then once they were here, our, our aim was to make sure that they were working out in a controlled area where we could uh, make sure things were clean, that we could be testing, uh, that we could be taking temperatures, wearing masks, cleaning, uh, and, and all of that. So those were the things we were focusing on. Our, our football guys, some did not even leave. Uh, many did, and when they came back, uh, they were eager to get going to get working out. Uh, I was pushing within the Big Ten to allow um, uh, workouts, unofficial workouts in our facilities, where we where where we could make sure the environment was clean, uh, and and finally got that pushed through so that we could start. And if I recall, uh, that was June 1st.
1: How quickly into this thing in the spring build and UNM, did you get UNMC involved in, in your plan?
2: Well, we access them, uh, very early on in the process. We're very fortunate to have a, a, a great medical center in Omaha. That's part of our system. Uh, Dr. Gold, uh, who's the chancellor of that campus, uh, was extremely helpful. Uh, Chris Cradevel, uh had, had already been uh, uh, asked to be uh, 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 one, of the, one of the key people within the conference as we explored options. Uh, and uh, then uh, 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 Dr. Capsule, Uh, a a virologist uh, was right there with us. And so as we started doing our own testing here on campus, and those were in the early days of testing, uh, we were so very fortunate to have uh, UNMC uh, very, very much involved and they continue to be. It it, uh, really was a big piece of our ability at the end of the day to have uh, the uh, lowest percentage of positive uh, uh, results and tests uh, throughout the Big Ten.
1: I want to move move to the summer now, Bill, to, to July. Right after the 4th of July, Kevin Warren surprised a lot of people around the country when he came out with the announcement that the Big Ten was not going to play non-conference games. Um, was were you surprised by that or was everybody in, in the loop on that before that got out? Because I know a lot of national people, a lot of the other conferences were caught off guard by that announcement. I believe it was the second week of July.
2: Well, again, we were talking every morning for two hours. Uh, we were trying there, there, there's a variety of different opinions. And when you have Greg, uh, a footprint as large as ours, uh, uh 14 institutions in 11 states uh, going from Nebraska all the way to the East Coast. Uh, you have a variety, a variety of, of different environments. And uh, of course, I felt all along as did the people here at Nebraska, that uh, uh, we, we were the safest, uh, if not the safest one of a couple, uh, in our footprint for uh, uh, training and bringing our our kids back and preparing them for a season. Now, during these discussions, uh, we decided that uh, the the group did that we were going to go with a conference only schedule, and uh, uh, in, in early on we were going to push everything back to. Uh, January. Then we thought, hey, uh, let's look at this. Let's have a conference-only uh, schedule, protect the footprint, um, not pay, play non-conference teams that, that were not uh, complying with the same rules and regulations that we had established. And that's when we put together the 10-game schedule uh, that uh, came out and had, was approved by the presidents and chancellors and, and was released in um, and I believe that was in early August, Yep. Uh, it lasted six days and uh, the plug was pulled and we were back looking at uh, the possibility of not even uh, having a football season in 2020 um, and the possibility of having one in uh, beginning and after the first of the year. So uh, January, February, even as late as March or April. Husker Sports Network Originals are presented by JTEC Construction, the official exterior
0: experts of Husker Nation. Find out more about this great Husker partner at JTECCONST.com. Now back to the Cornhuskers and COVID, how Bill Moose navigated Nebraska through the pandemic.
1: How involved were you in in the the August the 5th announcement of of the 10-game schedule? How, How involved were you in that? I know they divvied up some of the duties of... Competition committee, scheduling committee. How, how involved were you in that?
2: Well, I, we were all very much involved, and there was a ton of input. Uh, I ultimately was on the, the uh, scheduling committee, but as it turned out, after uh, that 10-game schedule was scrapped, uh, we, we basically had three committees when we were starting to look at uh, maybe a more condensed uh, schedule, that would uh, begin later in the year. Uh, and, and that was the one which we ultimately ended up uh, playing. But uh, the big committee on that, well, they were all big. But the biggest one was the uh, medical. Uh, we had to convince the uh, presidents and chancellors that uh, our student athletes could be in a safe place uh that we were controlling our venues, uh, that the testing was such that when we did take the field, it was a clean field. Uh, and and uh, that, in the end, uh, did work. Uh, the other two committees were television. Uh, you've got to understand losing that television revenue just for the University of Nebraska, Uh, along with um, no fans in the stands was going to be about a hundred million dollar revenue hit. And so we were trying to uh, salvage as much of that television money as we could. uh, And, and even with a, a, a condensed season. So that was the second committee. And then the third one of which I was a part was the scheduling committee. Now, that did not mean what was our schedule going to look like. It really uh, turned out to be more in terms of what the postseason would look like. Where were we going to play these games? Were we going to be in NFL dome stadiums? Uh, all these different options on the table that all had to be addressed.
1: August the 5th was when the 10 game schedule came out, the 11th is when the plug gets pulled. And there were rumblings, Bill, over that weekend—the seventh and eighth. We started hearing, "This isn't going to happen." I don't think this is going to happen. What? Well, tell me, take me back to that time. It had to be a crazy couple of days because the teams are now practicing, thinking they're going to play in early September, and yet there's rumblings that this thing's not going to happen. How crazy was that to live through that week?
2: It was crazy. I got to tell you. And uh, again, now we've had our, our football team. Uh, basically here, uh, voluntary workouts uh, on June 1st, they were back here well before that and working out amongst themselves. Uh, and, and so think of the time frame here. And we had started a, 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 a fall camp, getting ready for the schedule that had been uh, approved, and then boom, uh, we don't have a season.
0: We certainly want to play football, I think that's our priority. Our priority is to our kids, making sure they're safe and and allowing them to do what they want to do. We want to play a Big Ten schedule, I hope that's what happens. Our university is committed to playing no matter what, no matter what that looks like and how, how that looks. We want to play no matter who it is or where it is, so we'll see how those chips fall. We certainly hope it's in the Big Ten, if it isn't, I think we're prepared to look for other options.
2: And that is when uh, I I took the reins of uh, with with the endorsement of Chancellor Green and uh, President Carter and uh, hand in hand with Scott Frost that we're going to start pursuing a schedule of non conference games if it's not a uh, an issue of protecting the footprint because we're not going to have a season. We wanted to go play anybody that would play us because Nebraska needs football. And I feel that football needs Nebraska. And, uh, so I started to, uh, go down that road and was immediately cut off by the conference, uh, which we had some, uh, tense moments there, uh, for quite some time. And, uh, really started to uh, lobby and try to get uh, this medical committee working and and getting some things that could be approved so that we could salvage something out of the year. Now, I think it's important to point out that uh, the two uh, lead people in this effort uh, was myself and Gene Smith at Ohio State. Uh, my motive was, again, as I mentioned a, a minute or two ago, was to get football back for Nebraska, for the state of Nebraska. Uh, we, as a state, are dependent on football for our morale, for tons of revenue, uh, for the well-being of the state. Uh, Ohio State, uh, their their motivation was a little bit different. They have a national uh, championship caliber team. Uh, they felt that they got uh, slighted, not really slighted, but, uh, uh, got gypped out of a a potential chance to play for it a year ago when they had that controversial loss to Clemson in the semifinals. And they wanted to get back on, on that field and, and have a chance to hopefully, uh, win the big 10 championship and be considered to get back into the national, uh, playoffs, which in, in the end they did. So, Gene and I really led the charge on that in trying to win over our peers and and, and uh, those uh, in the conference um, office, primarily the commissioner Kevin Warren, so that we had a chance. And uh, in the end, we had another uh, schedule that uh, was approved. I did not vote; I was the only dissenting vote on that, as I felt that uh, we were we were really uh, taking it. Uh, in a hard way when you really looked at our schedule where we had uh, 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 a number we had I think it was three top 10 programs uh, in our first four weeks. Uh, so uh, it, it uh, we felt was not did not have to be that uh, unfavorable to Nebraska, but in the end uh, it was what it was and and uh, we tightened our chin strap and came out and played.
1: Bill, when when you were exploring those other options in August, there was a great deal of pushback from a lot of people around the country, a lot of national media towards Scott, you, the school. Why do you think that was? Nebraska is a total embarrassment these days, Greeny. Uh, I don't even know where to begin other than to say they've been in the Big Ten for 10 years, and the only major championship they've won is the league's biggest crybaby. And the athletic director, in trying to defend playing Chattanooga, said, well, it could be an important data point for the CFP. Nebraska and the CFP, I've got a better chance of winning the
0: country's most sexiest man than Nebraska (laughs) has of going to the CFP this year. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to use the word applaud the presidents and for not listening to the likes of the people at Nebraska, a school that comes in and is doing the biggest whining. You know what? The Big Ten has operated for 116 years, most of them damn successful without Nebraska, which has been around for the last nine. I think that at this point, Greeny, I would demand an apology from the chancellor and the president and Scott Frost and not one behind closed doors, a public apology, or
2: if I'm Kevin Warren right now, I'm working on the way to get their ass out of the Big Ten. Well, here you had the uh, SEC, the ACC and the Big 12 just moving forward. Uh, with somewhat of a normal football season, when you, when you talk about the number of games to be played. Uh, we, uh, we went a different direction, um, and, and as I mentioned, uh, pulled the plug on a, on a schedule. Uh, the Pac-12 decided to follow suit, and so really uh, there were only three of the five uh, Power Five conferences plus and Notre Dame playing in the ACC uh, for this past year that were were set to play uh, when we got got back and our presidents and chancellors uh, agreed to the schedule that started um, I believe it was the 21st of October uh, the Pac-12 jumped back in too uh, and and so then we had all five conferences uh, back playing even though. Uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were with reduced competitions, um, but there were uh, there were some feelings that uh, you know we we weren't being team players in regards to the bigger picture of college football. Uh, we were co- tremendously concerned with the health and uh, health and well being of our student athletes, which every conference is, and. Uh, that uh we we felt that uh, uh, protecting our footprint print and having a reduced schedule would play in our favor. The problem with that that uh, I call it the third schedule uh, after the original and then the ten game schedule, and what we ended up with was we did not have any windows to play cancelled games. and uh, and so, the other conferences had that luxury, so uh, when, when we had a game that was canceled, that was it. There wasn't a chance to come back and play it at another time, and I think, uh, Greg, at the end of the day, I think we had 10, 10 maybe 11 games that were canceled in the Big Ten. August 11th,
1: uh, the, the announcement to postpone the season. September 16th is the announcement to resume the season. What were some of the factors in your eyes that got the reversal of the decision?
2: Well, there's no question, as I alluded to, it was the medical piece. Uh, the testing, the testing protocol, um, who was going to do it, who is going to provide it, uh, how can we make sure it's consistent from one campus to another, the travel, uh, the testing on the road, uh, the um, antigen testing, which became the, uh, really the backbone of, of uh, what we were doing a- to enable us to even have a season. Uh, I think that, that uh, uh, Dr. Jim Borchards of uh, Ohio State was an all-star. If anybody deserves a game ball for 2020, it's him. Uh, he led, uh, in my opinion, was the front runner of that medical committee uh, and and did a fantastic job of convincing the presidents and chancellors that we could have clean fields, a safe environment, uh, good travel protocol, and be able to carry on a season uh, with, uh, again, the health and, and well. Being and welfare of our student athletes uppermost, and and to I really think our credit, we we pulled that off even with the uh, number of cancellations that we had to have. Those were all a part of the uh, predetermined protocol and procedures and policies that we followed throughout the season. What what impact, if any, build did the the
1: parent protests, the lawsuit that some Nebraska parents put on the Big Ten, what, what impact, if any, did that have on the league?
2: Well, uh, again, this was a group of uh, passionate parents, uh, again, feeling that Nebraska deserved to have a, a season. Uh, if we weren't going to be involved in, in a Big Ten play, uh, let us go play somebody else. And um, that really, I, I think, was the, the nucleus of, of the lawsuit which uh, of course caught the attention of the Big Ten and the country. Um, I, I embraced that. Uh, it was not initiated by the university. It was completely separate. But again, being the parent of a major college football player, I understand that and I'm sympathetic to those parents and the young people. In the end, uh, it was dropped. Uh, those young young guys got to play. The parents got to watch them play. Uh, it was not normal, but it was better than nothing. When when you were scheduled to play, you were
1: able to play. Other schools had issues throughout the fall. And was, how, how did you do it? How did you make sure that that the Nebraska football team was able to field a team week in and week out, where some schools weren't able to get that done?
2: Well, again, uh, we we start with a the a, a safe environment, Lincoln, Nebraska, our campus, uh, and the University of Nebraska athletic facilities. Uh, I tip my hat to my staff. We spent countless hours uh, establishing our own protocol. Uh, a big piece of it was we bubbled the football team. We excluded everyone else from memorial stadium uh and basically uh north stadium west stadium and east stadium we utilized the great talent we have within our building our our medical people uh the uh, performance lab uh chris bach did a fabulous job for us there and we had strict Uh, procedures of entry and exit. Uh, One only entrance uh, into the entire facility here in North Stadium, West Stadium, East Stadium. Temperatures taken, uh, contact tracing, daily testing as we got into the season six times a week. Uh, Those of us that were traveling with the team, the same. Uh, we were just extra cautious. Training table for football only uh, as we evolved into the two basketballs. And now uh, that football season's over, we've got uh, most everybody back at training table, but not in the training table uh, uh, as a room, as an area. Um, Only football was in there. And because of that, uh, the dashboard that we'd follow daily in the Big Ten, Nebraska, is by far the lowest in regards to having positive tests. So, uh, again, we did it. We did it right. We did it the best. Uh, no, we're not in the middle of a metropolitan area. I think that did help. Uh, we made sure that we emphasized uh, with our players that uh, uh, they have to have the discipline to not go out at night and socialize. Uh, that's where they're going to catch it. Um, we were not going to class. Uh, we, all of our classes were taking, were taking remotely. Uh, and, and so that, that surely helped. So the only way that we were going to contact the virus was by going home for a holiday or any other reason or socializing around the, around town. And to their credit, uh, they adhered to our strict rules and it worked. Uh, we had very few positive tests. Uh, we had very few, if, if any, players miss a game. And uh, I, I really uh, uh, am very, very proud of both my staff, our coaches, and of course the student-athletes.
1: Bill, you you and the and the rest of the athletic directors, you you, you laid a bunch of ground rules. You had the, the orange orange red red system set up. You even had a, a a rule in there that you had to get six games in to be eligible for the conference championship game. Well that that didn't happen for Ohio State. They only got five regular season games in. Take me through the process to change that to allow them to compete, and were you in favor of that?
2: Well, uh as, as I mentioned earlier, Greg, we talked about the motivation. And, and for me, it was to allow our players to have that experience of, uh, of playing a season. Uh, you know. And I was hopeful that uh, we would have a chance to have some of our fans be able to enjoy the season as well. That didn't turn out. But uh, Ohio State, uh, in, in our conference, Uh, really uh, with the return of their players, their team, uh, the momentum they had built the previous year, uh, was in a position to be considered for the college football playoff. Uh, We had said you had to play six games uh, to be eligible for the uh, conference championship. And um, they ended up having to have uh, a, a couple, two or three games um, actually, I think it was three, uh, canceled, um, one on their part. And I think two on their opponents I may not be fully accurate there, but it dropped them down to five. They were undefeated. They had followed the protocols. They were ranked. They were in the top four, uh, of the college football playoffs. And, uh, uh, we felt, Hey, they, they followed the protocols just like all of us. Uh, they uh, deserve a chance to represent the Eastern Division. Uh, Indiana had a, a, a fairy tale season, very well coached, great players, but Ohio State did beat them. And uh, so, uh, I really got to hand it to uh, our our athletic directors in the conference as. Uh, we voted to approve uh, uh, amending the uh, six-game mandatory uh, number to go ahead and allow Ohio State to represent the East with only five. And then, of course, they won the Big Ten championship uh, over Northwestern and went on to beat Clemson handily in the semifinals and then lose in the national championship. Well, Bill, it's been
1: quite a, a ride, uh, a 10-month ride to get Big Ten football, get Husker football played in the fall. I'm sure you're anxious for things to return to some some form of normalcy here in 2021.
2: Well, Greg, yes, and, and you know, we're talking about football and these young people and their lives, but there's been so many lives affected by this pandemic that are bigger than football. Um across our country and across the world and you just need to look at our country and and the state of affairs uh businesses being shut down um uh and and people losing jobs uh the the uh number of of uh deaths that have occurred which are just uh uh, painstakingly amazing and uh, uh so sorrowful and 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 so with the vaccine uh, and and some of the things we've learned and, and some of the, the 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 many things we've done as a culture, uh, I'm hoping that our country will come together like our our uh, football team here at Nebraska and our department. And I think it's it's important to point out that I told uh, our our entire staff, all of them, and our student athletes that. Uh, at the end of the day, when the dust settles uh, and this crisis is over, uh, we will we will be judged, and I I think really evaluated on how we navigated through this crisis uh, far more than any championships we will ever win. And our people locked arms. Uh, we we went through 51 furloughs across the board. Um, Salary reductions and budget cuts. We eliminated 17 FTE. Those people all losing their positions. Um, but we're we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we I, I brought all those furloughed people back. Uh, we lifted the the uh, salary reductions. Uh, we're working on on ways to ease the, the strain of the, of the budget for FY21. And uh, uh, our sights are on the future, Greg, and, and uh, what we're looking forward to down the road. And hopefully that's a, a, a good, safe environment, uh, our venues full of our great Husker fans, and our young people competing for championships and living their dreams.
1: Bill, I can't thank you enough for reliving what I'm sure has been the hardest year of your career, and not an easy one to, to do, but you made it. And so congratulations
2: on that, and I certainly appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, Greg, and looking forward to uh, some some better days ahead and uh, wishing you all the best. The proceeding has been a Husker Sports
0: Network original. The Cornhuskers and COVID, How Bill Moose Navigated Nebraska Through the Pandemic, was edited by Josh Hilkeman. Executive producers were Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin, Tim Curran, and Austin Orman. Sound design by Brett Whitty. Subscribe to Husker Sports Network Podcast for more great Husker Sports original episodes presented by Tech Construction.